Hey everyone, welcome back to the spoiler cast. So I'm going to be alone on this one. This is going to be for Marvel's Netflix's The Defenders, which covers that's going to be covering the entire Marvel Netflix cinematic universe thing. It's weird to think about that also being a thing. Uh, so I'm doing this alone because out of the rotating spoiler cast members, nobody else has actually watched this series. Uh, not, not Shell, Wander, Bird, or Andrew. No one else, just me. Uh, bit of a little bit, little surprised by that, but yeah. Uh, just opening thought, uh, Defenders, not great, unfortunately. Uh, I've now seen everything up to this point. Uh, Defenders just came out like this last weekend and I apparently watched all of it over the course of a few days. Uh, might as well start from the beginning. So Two years ago, uh, Netflix just kind of surprised us with this Daredevil show that was surprisingly good. Uh, one of the clear highlights being that uh, Kingpin was absolutely awesome in that show as a villain, and that was like that was that was a big highlight. I was like, okay, we have this off kilter surprise villain, some cool camera work, and we have that one hallway fight scene of like that's a really cool memorable action segment. Uh, it's been two years now, so a lot of details have faded, but I really enjoyed the first season of Daredevil. So this whole thing was off to a great start. And at the time, I didn't even know that it was supposed to be part of a universe or there was going to be more than one show. I thought it was just going to be Daredevil and presumably there'd be more seasons of that. Uh, in the following time, they put out Jessica Jones, which, uh, immediately became my favorite and has still remained my favorite of these shows they've made so far. Jessica Jones was interesting not because it was just explicitly a superhero character but because of the stories working around it like it was there were interesting scenarios filled with characters that had stakes and rules and that's why part of what made it compelling uh Jessica Jones themselves was an was an entertaining protagonist an entertaining main character uh David Tennant is a great casting choice for the purple man and uh it starts exploring a lot of things themes of like trauma and control and there was a lot of really enjoyable things going on in, in like the way the games the the show would interplay between the mechanics going on uh part of what was compelling was the fact that like she has she has super strength how do you deal with somebody that has super strength uh well have a care have a villain that can literally control you potentially and obviously not like omnipotent constant control everybody but like there's specific mechanics and rules to how it works and that led to really interesting scenarios. You developed characters, they had people that you liked, and that led to these moments. By the way, in case this isn't clear, this is a spoiler cast, so spoilers for all of these things. Uh, that leads to great moments of like when David Tennant's character says, put a bullet in, put that bullet in your head, and stuff like that, and they have to figure out how to stop their friend from committing suicide. Like stakes like that, like moments involving characters you know about, intense situations because you know what the, what is at stake and what the mechanics of the situation are and why things are happening and it's all an in interesting series of uh, events playing out over the course of a season and i had a, i had a great time then came daredevil season two next i believe which was this is where the first crack started to show with the netflix uh marvel thing first we have john bernthal playing the punisher which was fantastic and you can absolutely see why we're now getting teasers about like there being a standalone Punisher show because uh, John Bernthal as the Punisher was great. And Punisher versus Daredevil was great. And that was a cool thing. And that could have 
that could have carried an entire season all on its own, and it probably should have. But then the forced part starts to happen. And it's an unfortunate thing that also happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, often a little more gracefully, but not always, which is this world building, this insistence on mixing everybody together into a singular universe so you can have the big crossover episode, essentially. Um, and actually, like you can see like they almost slavishly recreated the exact scenario that led to the Avengers because the Avengers had a, had this setup of the... Is it, is it exactly four different heroes? Captain America, Iron Man, Thor... I'm, I'm not thinking of somebody. I'm, I, I've got to not be thinking of someone. I feel like there was four of them. But like it was the specific setup of like you do the one standalone thing. Uh, Daredevil versus Iron Man. Like the first standalone thing. And then like, oh, this is actually working out. Let's make a show for everybody. Which is why everyone got their own movie. And everyone got the extra... Sh and, and everyone got their own season of the show. And then you get the secondary thing where like, uh, well, it's been a while since the first one happened with our pilot series. So it's like, okay, so Daredevil and Iron Man, they get a sequel before the big showdown. But that's it. Everyone gets one thing. The first person gets two things. And then everybody comes together for the Avengers, Defenders, like cross-universe crazy scenario uh, showdown movie slash season. It's like they were almost like consistently following that. And so... As that, since they decided to do that, then they started doing the really unfortunate thing, which is they start to mix this setup for the showdown in, which is kind of unfortunate. One of the nice things about Avengers was actually that uh, they let every single show just breathe on its own. And so it kind of every, everything felt self-contained. But starting with Daredevil, you start to feel like the shows themselves are specifically setting up the Defenders season because they start showing us the hand and the hand is so boring the hand is just not an interesting villain at all really the only thing i like particularly about the hand is probably just madam gao as a character portrayal as an interesting person to have on screen and that that stuff kind of works madam gao kind of feels the same kind of niche that uh vincent d'onofrio did with the kingpin in season one and so on where it's just this menacing character that isn't always the one that's actually like in her case in particular she's not the one that's necessarily uh, actively the aggressor in most situations she's just somebody that sits high atop this grand organization of hers that is dangerous and so that's she gets to just sort of weave in and out she's very much like a specific similar character that shows up in a uh, mr robot and a few other shows where it's it's, it's a trope but it kind of works uh but unfortunately, we start replacing the Punisher with Elektra, and Elektra, and all of the arcs around her, and all of the story surrounding the Hound at hand is just so much less interesting than everything about how the Punisher was working. Because the Punisher was an interesting character. He is a conflicted character. Uh, he's somebody that is on a this horrible, ruthless revenge mission, but is not an explicit, like, evil force. He does things that are wrong, obviously, but he's not, like trying to destroy new york for for example like many antagonists of this uh of the of this universe seem to tend to do uh he has a very specific revenge mission and then that might be it uh as opposed to the hand which is like they're hunting for immortality and they're a mystic evil force but unfortunately they amount to mostly just being a bunch of faceless ninjas 
that are weirdly easily dispatched. Like the show wants you to make the wants you to think of them as a genuine threat, but they individually just all seem to suck so much. Like if if you are a protagonist or a supporting character, you can just beat up hand soldiers left and right, which makes you just wonder like how bad are they at training people? But as a group of as an as an army of faceless people, they're just not really an interesting villain. They're not they don't really ever rise to the heights of characters like uh Kingpin or the Purple Man or even the Punisher as just being interesting, cool characters that are actually like shockingly interesting villains. Like like uh we've had we're so many movies now into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this even the Marvel movies have mostly terrible villains. Like, we like them for a lot of other reasons, but the villains are usually really thinly written and flat, and they're basically just a backdrop character for somebody's origin story, because a a large percentage of Marvel movies so far have been origin stories. I mean, how how many people can even remember the villain of Thor 2? Because it it, it takes some work, and that was also played by one of the the, uh, actors that played Doctor Who at one point, behind all that elf makeup. That was Christopher Eccleston, apparently. Okay, like, but yeah, like the villains have been terrible in the Marvel movies and the villains were surprisingly great early on in the Netflix universe. And the hand is when the villains start to kind of get shit. So it's relatively common narrative narrative, I think a lot among a lot of people talking about Daredevil season two saying that like it started off great and then kind of kind of just care less by the end of it. Uh, this was followed up by with uh, Luke Cage, which made the same mistake somehow. And I was really confused why this happened. So Luke Cage starts off with a pretty interesting power dynamic. You have uh, you have the protagonist that you're setting up, which you, you've conveniently already kind of set up in the Jessica Jones show. And he's showing up in this other show that's further developing his character and it's further showing his interaction with the setting and it's it's setting up his motivations for how he generally does what he does and why he's going to be in the Defenders and so on because he has motivations to protect this particular neighborhood, much like most of the characters really do. Well, no, just Luke Cage and Daredevil really are are obsessed with, with protecting some neighborhood. Jessica Jones is kind of just floating around and Iron Fist is an idiot, mostly. Uh, but Luke Cage, I was really digging the interplay between him and his villain and the villain's sister. And like, that was all like that. This was a cool thing. I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm game for a season of this. And then I guess they decided to pull a shocking moment halfway through the season. Cause they just kill off the villain halfway through the season. And it's kind of out of nowhere. It's, I mean, it's not completely out of nowhere, but the fact that it happens halfway through the season means that they then have to really abruptly set up a new villain and that villain was the most boring dude ever. Like it was, he was just a guy that wants to kill Luke Cage and he's got daddy issues because everybody in every single Marvel property or really just every, it seems like everyone in comic properties has to have daddy issues all the time. So now it's like, now it's like, this is like Luke Cage and the villains shared daddy issues and he's got a super suit and they're going to punch each other real hard until one of them dies and there was there was a couple of interesting scenarios here and there, but like the show just nosedived in a way that was really similar to Daredevil, where it has a really good first half and a really like, man, I'm not into the second half at all, am I? Hopefully the villain gets defeated so they can try something else next season, because I don't really want more of this. Then we get to Iron Fist, which was just kind of tragic. 
this was the first time in one of the Marvel Netflix shows where I just straight up don't like the protagonist at all. Uh, he is just... Danny Rand is an idiot, basically. And he's like forcefully an idiot. And he's so ridiculously naive and stubborn and just irritating all the time. Like I, there was times where I'm basically just not even rooting for him to win because I'm like this, this guy just shows up and he's just the most entitled little shit. And I just don't really want to see him anymore. Uh, so he's from Kunlun and it's, which he will never stop telling everybody all the time. And he keeps acting surprised that people think it's weird. He talks about from being a magical, from being a magical world, even though he grew up in normal society, not all the way. Like he was relatively young when bad things happened, but like he's been in normal society before. I can't help but think like, you know, like you, you weren't born in Kunlun or you weren't like orphaned as a baby and then like, like adopted and raised in Kunlun. Like you've been exposed to the real world. How are you so baffled that normal society doesn't know about your magical, like your magical dragon world? Like you should take that for granted that people don't know about that. And you should be relatively, especially after an episode or two, like should be able to figure out how to talk to people about this stuff and not immediately just be the dumbest person about it, but nope, he comes in and he's super entitled about wanting to take over this entire company. That's, that's like technically his family's company, but he's been quote unquote dead for like 20 years. And these other people have been running the company and like, yeah, there's bad stuff going on, but instead of just trying to solve the bad at things and try to trying to do good, he's like suicidally stupid about running the company. Like he's like, Oh, I'm going to, I own this place now. So fuck all of you guys. It's like, oh, I I found out we're making we're marking up drugs. We're now gonna sell them at a loss, and we're just gonna plummet this company straight into the oblivion. Fuck you, everybody who works here and requires this place in order to, you know, be your source of employment. That em- it probably employs thousands of people, and you're just gonna get rid of all those people because you don't like the prices on the drugs. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, at first, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm with you. Like this stuff is like, it's not cool to mark up drugs like on to uh, to crazy levels. For the specific purpose of just making a ton of money and like that's a problem that actually happens and like you should try to help uh, these parts of the world that genuinely need these kinds of things. But if you like there's a there's moderation here. If you just crank that thing, you just you just crank the lever to the exact opposite direction and sell everything in a loss and plummet the company. All you're going to do is just kill the company, which just means that your competitors will just do exactly what you were doing beforehand and then you have no power to do anything about it. So it's like, he's not even good at helping people. His attempts at helping people are also stupid, even though, you know, they're naivete. And it's just, he's so frustrating, but he's also just kind of a shitty person a lot of the time. Like, he gets given refuge by somebody. Like, okay, you can you can stay here, it's fine. Just, just, you know, just don't talk to the students. And Danny Rand's definition of don't talk to students is assault the students. He instead instead of staying away from the students, he attacks the students. That's not the same thing. You are really bad at being a guest. Do they not teach you how to be a guest at Kunlun? That's uh, aren't they all about like tradition and stuff like that? How you did they don't teach you like basic etiquette for staying at somebody's house? Like, and he's just so so thick all the time, and I just don't like watching him. In every single episode, he's like, no, I have to do this. This is the thing that has to happen. I won't talk about it, and I won't reason with anybody. This is happening now. 
I solve all my problems by punching things, and I solve those things by walking straight at the direction of the thing that I think is the direction of the guy I need to punch, and then I punch them, and that's pretty much my entire process. And I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, this is probably why in the modern Avengers movies they never gave uh, Hulk his standalone movie. Like, Hulk might be getting more and more intelligent as the movies go on, and so, like, he might get a bigger role later, but at the beginning, like... Yeah, the guy that just punches stuff is, like, a supporting character, not a main character. Like, in fact, there are dudes that just punch shit that are supporting characters in other Marvel Netflix shows. But somehow Iron Fist got his own show, and it's so boring. Because he's irritating, and he's flat, and he has so little texture to his character compared to the other three Marvel Netflix protagonists. But on top of that, his entire show is him facing off against the hand. And it's like, no, not the hand. The hand, we've established this, the hand sucks. They're so boring. They're so boring that not even like Ninja Turtles can make a parody of them interesting in the form of the foot. And also, yeah, like it's concerning or that we're starting with a property where the villain is so boring that the parody of them is more world famous than they are. More people on Earth, I believe, probably know who the foot are than the hand. Because the hand is so shitty, you have to parody them to even start to get memorable. Because they're so boring. Because they're just the most generic shit. Like, it's it's like if somebody made a D&D campaign where they just took the elements from the player's handbook and just made that the campaign... And didn't make up a world at all. And didn't make up character motivations. Or any texture. They were just like, ah, orcs exist in this universe. Your, your villain's orcs. That's it. What? No. You're, yeah, your villain's ninjas. They want, I don't know, immortality? Sure. G- go fight the ninjas for like 12 hours. <laughs> it's like they're so boring. But at least we get to start the slightly interesting thing that they could do, which is the which is the unfortunately has also been explored in their parody because it's already been explored by Ninja Turtles in the in the movies, which is like like I I grew up watching goddamn that Secret of the Ooze and like having Kino infiltrate the uh, <laughs> infiltrate the Foot organization and they're trying to they're trying to take them apart from the inside and figure out what their plan is and stuff like we've we've been through all their their indoctrination systems and and hiring people off the street in the parody version and frankly that was basically better done than most of what happened in iron fist which was just so rote and boring when it when it dealt with the inner politics of people being indoctrinated into this organization but i i'll say that that was the most interesting part of the entire iron fist season was probably just dealing with this this group of people that, uh, like how they are just ripping people off the streets. Although so many of these organizations just rip people off the streets to have them do horrible things that, uh, you start to wonder how there are even are teenagers left in New York to like do anything else besides be in criminal organizations at some point. Cause that's such a reoccurring thing. Uh, the main highlight of the Iron Fist season was probably the ongoing, like fucked up relationship between, uh, one of the villains and their son, which it's a name that's unfortunately completely escaping me now. But the uh, the blonde guy that has to be hidden away in his tower forever, and his son has been running the company instead, and is the only one that knows he's alive, and all that all that stuff going on. Like that was kind of interesting. There was definitely just elements of like, why do I feel like I'm watching Arrow again? Was definitely a feeling I had on a regular basis while watching uh, Iron Fist, but 
really it was just there was not much to save the, you, there's not much that could be done to save this, the show when it was so focused on the hand and its protagonist was this guy who which was just not great and it's also been famously known now that like they just the kung fu stuff all the all the uh, martial arts in iron fist is just kind of garbage and that's largely because apparently uh they were just filming this on a super tight schedule and the the uh, act lead actor didn't know how to handle any of this stuff he wasn't already trained so they would just kind of like run him through the choreography like right before the scene and then they would just you know give it a few takes and then move on because they just they didn't have time and so like that's that was a huge misstep probably to be so focused on the schedule like how marvel handles its movies that uh they had they had to have iron fist out on this time so that defenders could be out at this time and then like that's the insistence on doing it that fast clearly only made the the uh, show suffer and that probably is what happened here is that iron fist and i mean uh daredevil and jessica jones were so like inspired there's really cool shit happening and there's there's really interesting themes at play and it felt like it had time to cook but as you go on through the seas the, the, the seasons of this like universe you get more and more sense that every season is getting more and more rushed and that they have to meet deadlines and that it's supposed to come out this time and so they don't have time to add all these flourishes to the script to make the characters and the stories more interesting and they don't have time to finish the choreography and they don't have time to do cool stuff anymore so the fight scenes in particular are just getting more and more boring and the reasons people are fighting are getting more and more boring and it's just becoming a pale imitation of what the first couple of seasons largely were which is just really unfortunate because yeah like iron fist like you, they're better they're better see be some like this should feel like i'm watching a kung fu show right like this should be some really cool shit going on and instead it was a lot of really boring punching and a lot of like really awkward looking shots where it looks like they maybe they were speeding up the shot to make it look cooler or they were like rapidly doing cuts like liam neeson jumping over a fence in order to like pretend he was more badass than he was because the actor just wasn't selling it and then they couldn't recast him and or they couldn't like keep practicing because there was a deadline before the show had to be put out and that's that's not a good creative setting like some people will like some people will, like reflexively want to defend the stuff because they'll just want to defend the entire universe and stuff like that but it's like no like we we know the background now it's like they are this is too rushed this is too rapidly put together this is too forced their uh, the creativity is not getting a chance to breathe the script writing is just suffering everybody's just focused on put on hitting deadlines instead of like making a quality thing and like you sh- probably shouldn't be satisfied with that because that's not a good setting in which anything should be made uh so then we roll around to defenders and i'm just a little resigned at this point because i'm like fuck it's about the hand again this is now season six, by the way, of uh, the Netflix original Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. And we're still dealing with the hand now. Out of six seasons, this is now two and a half seasons where the villain is the hand, which is just such a bummer because they're so not interesting. The hand is the kind of boring villain that you throw together for like a plot line, maybe not like half of your six season show think about that six seasons like i don't i don't want to check uh, let's just check let's see breaking bad wiki out of curiosity because i'm thinking like how many episodes was breaking bad in its totality 
It might have been longer. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> we have Breaking Bad as five seasons of, of 7, 13, 13, 13, 16. So, no. So, this show's longer than Breaking Bad already, but it's had two and a half seasons to just spend on the hand. And how interesting is the hand? How developed is the hand? How cool of a villain are they? And, like, how invested are we in the struggle against fighting the hand? Pfft, honestly, not particularly. They're kind of ninjas, kind of not. And, and in fact, that that's a point to bring up here is that in, in Defenders, you can kind of say goodbye to most of the whole ninja thing. Uh, for a large portion of the show, they just don't have an army anymore. Uh, for huge chunks of the show, we have the hand, which is the literal hand, and then it's the five main people, the leadership of the hand. That's the, the, that's the main villain of this is the actual five people as opposed to the organization as a whole. Uh, and Elektra. Because Elektra died during Daredevil Season 2 and comes back to life, which is something everyone should have been ready for based on the whole Daredevil-Elektra movies back in the day that were not great <laughs> back in the time. With Daredevil being not great and Elektra being downright some hot garbage that I, I've i tried to sit through a few times and I think I've technically made it, but I think I always get kind of checked out. So that's that's our grand villain, is that <coughs> sorry the hand of resurrected electra without her memories she is evil now she's called the black sky a lot of details of what the black sky means and what it's for and what they expect of that is generally not explained and in general the hand is not very well developed for this particular season which is just kind of a bummer because like we are getting close to like the 20 hour mark of dealing with the hand so it's like we should really have a lot more to go on with these people the, the Defenders is different from the other seasons because instead of being the usual 13-episode season, it's an 8-episode season. And some of those episodes are only 45 minutes long, which is a little shorter than usual for the just Netflix shows in general. So it's relatively short on duration and time. So like, so with you, you think that they'd be really efficient, right, with this limited space? But instead, they're kind of not... Uh, the first episode of, Def of Defenders is almost entirely like just the show spinning its wheels. They, uh, it's about an hour long. It's one of the longer episodes of the season, and they basically just reintroduce every single character. So they show you Daredevil and his supporting characters. They show you Iron Fist and his supporting characters. They show you Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and their supporting characters, and it's basically just like a status check on every single character in the in their universe right now just one by one not much going on the ever so slight introduction of the potential maybe threat a few scenes with sigourney weaver being mysteriously sinister because mister because sigourney weaver is the leader of the hand in, the, in this she just shows up uh and she's just being mysterious mostly until the very end of the episode which is that like an earthquake happens like oh no the inciting incident it's finally happened it takes an hour to get there then you spend the entire second hour with the show trying to come up with excuses for these characters to come up to to encounter each other one of which was both of which are okay uh one of them which is how the episode ends is very it's very very foregone conclusion how it's going to happen you're like oh daredevil's a lawyer so he's gonna meet somebody because somebody's gonna get arrested and then he's gonna like i'm i'm gonna represent you don't say no more and stuff like that and that's exactly what happens jessica jones gets arrested and uh daredevil just walks on in like yeah i'm, I'm here to represent you i'm like oh there we go 
I was waiting for it to happen and it happened. Uh, the other thing that happens is that Iron Fist is just forcing his way into dealing with investigating the hand. And so he's just stupidly head charging in head first into scenarios because that's what he always does. And Iron Fist, uh, I always want to call him Iron Fist also because I keep calling, I keep wanting to call Luke Cage Iron Fist because he's a character who punches people also and is indestructible. So I always want to Iron makes sense. That's the theme, by the way, is that three of the characters in this cast just punch people, which is not very interesting to watch. Uh, Luke Cage is investigating uh, a crime syndicate that is apparently recruiting young boys from Harlem. And so he shows up at the same place as Iron Fist and they fight because a particular boy that uh, Luke Cage was trying to get out of trouble is the exact person that Iron Fist happens to catch, so they fight, and that's the obligatory, like, oh, the villains, the people have to fight before they can become allies, because that's the first thing superheroes do, apparently, is always immediately start beating down on each other. Uh, this goes in, this was, this was one of the more interesting twinges of the show, which is that, uh, the guy that they, that they're fighting over ends up getting arrested, and then he gets killed in jail by the people that that were in getting him involved in the stuff in the first place, the hand. And so this is when Luke Cage goes after uh Iron Fist because it's like your way of doing things is wrong. You're going out you're you're beating on these people that don't have much of a choice. Like they're struggling to survive and they're in a bad situation and you're going and you're beating up all of them instead of the people that actually lead these organizations and the people that lo- caused this to happen. And it's like it's like that's it's not an unfitting response and it uh it does it does it it should be a wake-up moment for iron fist and it kind of is because iron fist is like yeah i should stop punching a bunch of random thugs that are just random street people that yeah they made the mistake of actually being willing to get involved in these or in these organizations but that's the entire basis of the hand is that they prey on the underprivileged and so and so on and give them what looks like a better life so that they can trick them into getting involved in these horrible things for them it's their whole strategy and so like just by fighting them you're you know you're just fighting a bunch of kids from off the street as opposed to like the evil people that actually cause everything in the first place it's it's ineffective iron fist takes the wrong lesson from this i would say which is that uh I need to look up name real quick because I'm so bad at there's so many cast members to keep track of sometimes. Is it Colleen Wing, I think, was the name of the character? Yeah. So Colleen Wing is the is Iron Fist's compatriot. She's an ex ex hand member, and she's like, we need to sneak in there and take them out and stuff like that. And and Iron Fist is like, no. I've been showed that there's a new way to do things. And his new way to do things is just to walk in the place, walk into the boardroom full of all the all of his like top villains of the entire show, and be like, I'ma punch you. And that's his strategy. He's like, I am Danny Rabden, I will destroy you. I say, alone, standing in the middle of a place surrounded by your people. I'm like, What are you What are you doing? Danny, no. What what is your brain sometimes? I just don't understand. Because, like, they want to frame it like what their decision, like, uh, they want to frame it like his decision is motivated by Luke Cage. But Luke Cage is just like, hey, stop beating up, beating on old lackeys. That's not actually solving your problem. And it's just hurting people that don't have anywhere else to go. And so your response is to be stupid. Like, the part we're calling is like, hey, we need to sneak in again and stuff like that. Like, 
you can sneak in with your friend that has a katana and have backup and generally just have a better plan than just walking face first and just punching people, but that's all you ever do, so okay, let's just keep going through this song and dance. But conveniently, this becomes the setup for all four defenders to all show up at the same time because Luke Cage shows up right when Danny's in trouble, and it's... The kind of I feel like the kind of I, maybe I missed something, but I feel like they kind of hand waved how he got there, or why he got there at the exact moment, and what was going on because like he just he's just there. Like Danny had to get like permission, and he had to know where to go, and like he like Luke Cage just goes exactly to the right spot at the right time with and none of the hoops Danny went through, so that was a little weird. But sure, there he is. Uh, it's kind of garbage. Thankfully, this is all. Uh, this is all flanked with a much more interesting storyline, which is Daredevil and Jessica Jones, because once they encounter each other... By the way, Jessica Jones in general is, like, really good in the show. Uh, she's a, she's the main highlight of, like, the first two episodes, because everybody else is just kind of not doing a whole lot, and there's not a, lot, not a ton interesting going on, and it's not too entertaining, but Jessica Jones is basically just... We're just getting an extension of the Jessica Jones show for a bit there because she's doing an investigation and she's uncovering the secrets. She finds that she finds that this whole story arc where like somebody that has like plans to like blow up a building with a bunch of C4 and like that's all set up for stuff that comes up later. And like she's and she's doing that while being Jessica Jones. So like she's playing the the entertaining character from the previous season. And then she crosses paths with Daredevil when she gets into legal trouble, which is what I said before. And that leads to a situation where she's now uncovering Daredevil's identity relatively easily because she's a PI and he's not as good at keeping his identity secret as he seems to think he is. And there's a lot of fun inter- interplay between the two of them and like with her tugging at the, uh, just sort of you know, tugging at the knot that is uh, Daredevil and sort of unraveling things that he doesn't want unraveled and there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty good interplay between those characters throughout the early episodes, and I I enjoyed that stuff, uh, and so they coincidentally happen to arrive at the same time. Uh, the reasons they're there they're there generally make sense, although it's definitely convenient that they show up at the same time as Iron Fist and Luke Cage. But before long, all four of them are all f- trying. They're all in the penthouse of this building, and they're fighting the leadership of the Hand, which at this point is just one. It's just Sigourney Weaver and a bunch of faceless lackeys that we'll probably never see again. And then Elektra shows up. Elektra is kind of a bummer as a villain. She becomes more and more prominent as the show goes on. And she's just not... She's not going to do much interesting. She's very much a trope character we've seen way too many times before. Which is that she's somebody who's now been brainwashed. And so now she's like... I don't I don't love you anymore and I'm going to kill all of you and I don't know who I am but there's constant suggestions along the way like that like maybe maybe she's actually still in there because she keeps not killing the person she used to love in her old life and it's just so tropey and it all goes exactly where you think it's going to go just note for note step by step with her slowly recovering her memories and daredevil constantly insisting like i'm not gonna kill her i can still reach her and like all those obligatory scenes by the way like if you feel like you've heard this conversation before about this brainwashed girl get ready because you're gonna see you're gonna hear a lot of lines and a lot of plot points that you're just so used to by now from just how overused they are and that it kind of speaks to what feels like uh, i talked before about how the show seems like it was really rushed and seems like they're rushing more and more lately 
it feels like this was more of that where it's like they couldn't do much story-wise so the most generic things start to happen over the course of the series because they just couldn't go anywhere else with it the only time the only time the show really has any time to shine and uh through it all is just having interplay between the various characters because the plotting and the villains are all just kind of blah which is just unfortunate because this is a show this is a cinematic universe that was birthed on having really good villains so having the villains not be that great is just kind of a bummer and they try to set that up again they 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 took lessons from characters like uh vincent d'onofrio's uh kingpin and even madame gow and stuff like that when they're setting up uh sigourney weaver's alexandra she is this immortal character and they will not stop dropping hints at how immortal she is because she basically spends every single scene enjoying music or food or some kind of art or an or confectionery or something and then getting confused about what uh decades or like dropping hints that she knew the person who made it like she listened to an orchestra and then she'll talk about the personality of the person who wrote the song or she'll go eat food at a place and then she'll mix up she'll mix up uh constantinople with istanbul and stuff like that like it's like oh wow yeah all these all these cities rise and fall. I'm so old. Do you get how old I am? And I'm like, okay, this could be interesting if they go somewhere with it. But they kind of just spin their wheels for the entire show with Sigourney Weaver and then go nowhere with it. Almost every scene she has is her basically telling the hand, like, we have to work together and this is our chance. And she's like being vaguely ruthless. Or her scenes are her reestablishing over and over again by eating somewhere or listening to music somewhere that she has been around for a very long time then her character is just kind of shuffled away. So we we're in, uh be, because of this first showdown they have with Alex with not uh well actually also with Alexandra but with Electra and the defenders and you have you have Electra not kill uh Daredevil. We then have Alex I think it was after this was when we have Alexandra uh reacquiring everybody from the hand which is she brings in all these different characters that are the five members of the hand. Turns out one of them was already there the whole time. There's a black guy in a suit that just seems like some dude, but apparently he's one of the Hand. Uh, there is uh, two of the members of the Hand we've met before. One of them is Madame Gao, who is way more disappointing in the show because after being like basically like lead villain for an entire season, now she's just a lackey for uh, Sigourney Weaver. So she's almost always just boring and all the mystique and control she seemed to have is kind of just waved away because it's it becomes clear that she's just somebody that's just like she's largely just taking orders and it kind of undermines what was interesting about her before where she seemed to always be in control and all-knowing and everything even if that was like a whole uh thing that she was just kind of trying to put out there to intimidate people she she becomes just another lackey turns out the guy the uh coffee shop hipster samurai guy from iron fist the one of the villains from that uh that has a uh, direct connection to uh to wing uh he's one of the members of the hand apparently he's back from the dead after dying in the iron fish series because this is an organization that can just bring people back to life whenever they die apparently and then we have our first new character that we haven't heard about yet which is that alexandra goes to japan and he recruits this one character that 
he just refuses to speak English ever, even though he clearly is talking to people who are speaking English. So he just like will insistently speak Japanese for the entire series from here on out. And he's like, he's like, he's hunted some sort of endangered bear apparently, and he's carving it up, up, up in his high rise suite. And it's like, okay, this is a setup. Is this guy some kind of multi, like, you know, like mega ultra badass? We're going to see cool, do cool stuff later. The answer is no. This is basically the most noteworthy scene he has in the entire show is his setup of like, wow, look how, th- look at this intimidating guy in his creepy, expensive apartment carving up a bear. For the rest of the series, he just sucks. Uh, and it's, I, I, the first fight scene I can remember him being in is one where he just shows up near Electra and Electra just kind of takes him out and he's like, he's like getting up and popping his shoulder back in later because he's like, oh, wow, that, what a surprise. We've been betrayed by Electra. And then by the end of the show, when they're in the final showdown, he like you could conf- you could confuse him for being one of the random lackeys because there's so many people that are fighting the defenders, all wearing black, that are just getting taken out in like a couple hits, and it's like completely underwhelming. And one of them is that guy. He's like he ends up like impaled on a piece of rebar, and I'm like, what did you do in this show? Why did you exist? The the, the show the show set up, sets sets you up as being a supervillain, and you're like you get just thrown aside which happens with another character too because as i said before though there was like a surprise that the black black guy in the suit was a member of the hand well not not surprisingly he's a member but he is one of the hand like one of the five people because he's like oh that he seems like some dude that just walks around and orders people to do stuff and he's generally disappointing too because his introduction is so non-existent he gets no dedicated scene really so he he just feels like in Suicide Squad, when they're setting up the characters, like every single character gets a, mi- a musical intro and a title card and like a whole scene dedicated to setting themselves up, except Slipknot. Slipknot just shows up out of nowhere and somebody's like, that's Slipknot, the guy that can climb anything. And it's like, wow, he's so important. I can tell him it's important because you spent two seconds explaining who he was. And then about a minute later, Slipknot's dead because they need to show they need to show how the exploding uh, collars work or whatever that the or the brain chips or whatever it was in that movie because the whole point of suicide squad is that you're threatening to blow people up so it's like oh we're gonna that guy gets blown up so let's not spend time introducing him we wouldn't want it to be a surprise that he dies uh similar things happen in this guy that in this show like the black guy's the first one to die he gets almost no introduction he's apparently one of the hand they they just hand waved it's like something something african overlord or something and then we just get past it really quickly and he never fights anyone as far as i can remember never really does anything interesting at one point, his people like kind of try to kidnap Luke Cage, and then off camera, he's defeated and captured by Luke Cage. Off camera, I'll remind you, it's one of the hand getting defeated and captured off camera. And then he spends the rest of the show tied up in a chair before trying to escape and getting his head chopped off by stick. So like he he's the first member of the hand to die. He didn't really accomplish much of anything. He seems to just suck. And now, and this is when the the illusion starts to collapse. Because up until now, I'm like, oh, maybe Sigourney Weaver has some kind of special powers. Maybe he's, maybe that she's got some sort of thing going on here. Because she's got the same mystique that seems to be going on previously with Madame Gao. And I, I've always bought into the idea that Madame Gao would be some kind of powerful character. Because how is she leading this entire ninja clan? And like, how is she able to do all these things? She must have something up her sleeve. But this dude was just some dude in a suit and he got decapitated and it's like wow all that immortality sure made you a badass right it's like you just you just died okay sure 
And then as we move forward, we found, uh, like, before long, well, we'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, around this time is, this was the period of time where all the, uh, all the characters are put together, which is one of the highlights of the show, is that you have all four characters together, the Defenders, and they are playing off of each other, and there's some, you know, witty banter between them. Uh, a lot of which is, is some of the fun stuff involving uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil again, where she keeps picking up on things about his secret identity and and and, and they, there's just a lot of basically just sort of poking fun at the ideas of each other's characters here and there. Although one of the irritating things that keeps happening is that all these people have superpowers and they all know other people that have superpowers and they've encountered they're either villains or allies that have crazy forms of powers while this is all supposed to be in the same universe as the avengers where the avengers incident happened and so on and like they should be prepared for a lot of stuff by now every time somebody suggests anything vaguely supernatural or surprising or unusual ever half the cast is like no way you believe this bullshit i'm out of here and then they keep doing that over and over again it's like really frustrating i'm like how this is the sixth season of this universe that also was supposed to take place in the same universe as the movies where other crazy shit's happening. How do any of you even act surprised at this point when stuff gets introduced? Like, at this point, you should be like, that's a new one. And like, that's that should more or less be your reaction as opposed to bullshit, I'm out of here. So that's, that stuff gets really, really frustrating. And also speaking of the general sense of... Uh, you could also compare this a lot to the Avengers movie because like, there's the part where... Like they, we have an inciting incident. We have an inciting incident that's supposed to bring them all together. The characters all fight each other. Uh, so, well, a few of the characters fight each other beforehand because frictions happen, and they and they're superheroes. Then they all get stuck in one location where they have to bond for a bit, and so on. There's the the helicarrier in the Avengers movie, and then this one. It was the it's this uh is it a Chinese restaurant, Japanese restaurant. I didn't pay attention to super close to the surroundings necessarily, but it, they they get stuck at a restaurant and they have to talk it out for a while and that was more or less the setup for their characters actually interacting finally but let's go forward a little bit uh i was talking about the the how weak the the villains start to get like before long sigourney weaver dies too it's like oh like on one hand i'm like i guess you're trying to be surprising i guess because she was set up as like the lead villain and she dies like only a few, ep- like, she dies with, like, multiple episodes left in the show. Uh, so it's like, okay, there goes Sigourney Weaver. Goodbye, I guess. But, like, we've already pulled this trick with Luke Cage, where you kill off the villain surprisingly early, and they have to be replaced by another villain. So, like, that, you just did that, like, this year, practically. So it's not that surprising when they pull the same trick again. And instead, it's just disappointing, because I'm like, wow, that Alexandra character didn't really go anywhere. She wants immortality, she's dying, and she's raising this electric character, and then she dies. Okay. Okay. So then Electra takes over. Well, actually, before that, what's what's really silly is that uh Elect uh they have captured Iron Fist by this point, who is just being the biggest idiot again because they found out at this point that whatever the whatever the the uh the hand are planning uh the hand require the iron fist for whatever they're planning so danny is is an idiot because he's always an idiot and they're all like okay we need to hide danny we just need to we need to keep him away from the hand because they need him clearly and danny is completely against this and he refuses and will even fight them over it and it's like how are you this stupid their plan requires you 
So the best way to fight them is to not let them get you. How is that? How is this hard to communicate? This I hate this character so much. I'm so sick of Danny Rand. Uh, so he's an idiot. They basically have to capture, knock him out and capture him, his own teammates, in order just to stop him from walking directly into enemy clutches, which of course helps them, which of course helps the hand capture him because now he's hard, he's, uh, incapacitated and that's a whole can of worms of itself. But like, yeah, like he, like, if you just cooperated, you wouldn't get captured because you could just go like anywhere else. I don't think they have a tracking device under your skin. Like it should be relatively easy to hide somebody on the face of the planet while these while the rest of the crew figures out how to deal with this. But instead, no, you gotta be a problem for the crew and end up getting yourself captured anyway. Thanks a lot, I suppose. So while Danny's captured, Sigourney Weaver's character is like. She says the thing that is always one of the biggest signposts for this is a rushed, poorly written thing, and that then this then the story has no ideas, which is Sigourney Weaver says the line, paraphrasing, uh <laughs> We're not so different, you and I, which is what villains say uh when they are bad villains, basically. <laughs> it's the most boring shit to do ever. But it it gets worse because uh in that very scene, Sigourney Weaver gets murdered by Elektra after Iron Fist is out of the room. And then Elektra, in the very next episode, also walks up on Iron, to Iron Fist and says, once again, we're not so different, you and I. They pulled the same shitty line twice. They phrased it differently and stuff, but it's that line that you do when you just have a not-so-well-written villain and they encounter the one of the protagonists and they're like... That's just the shitty thing they'll do when you don't have any other ideas. They'll be like, like, we're just alike, aren't we? Ha ha ha. It's like, no, man, stop. And so twice in a row, Iron Fist gets to go like, I'm nothing like you and stuff like that, which is just like the exact, I mean, if there's a character to give it to, it's Iron, F uh, Iron Fist because he's the most boring protagonist. So he's exactly the person that would be in that kind of irritating exchange multiple times, but Wow, how did that get into the show? How did that happen twice? How did they do that line of dialogue twice? I just don't understand. So up until now, we uh, we don't really know a ton about what's going on uh, with the with the hand. They have some plan. There are clearly all like characters that lived on forever, so their plans something to do with immortality. But also Electra for some reason, she's the Black Sky, which is something. Is she just a weapon? Is that is it, is she that boring? She seems to be that boring. Like she's just meant to be a weapon, and that's it. Because like they don't really elaborate on the Black Sky very much, and they don't really even seem to talk about the concept of Black Sky. As the show goes on, they just say it less and less. It actually gets really repetitive having Sigourney Weaver constantly being a, a scene over and over again with Electra, constantly saying over and over again that you used to be Electra, but you're not Electra. You're better than Electra. You're the Black Sky, the weapon of the hand. And like, I feel like there must have been four or five scenes where that whole speech happens over and over again, and they just reiterate it, and they don't expand on it. They, they're not escalating things. They're not progressing things forward. Like, this is not going forward at all. It's just reiterating the same idea over and over again that you're not Electra, you're the Black Sky. That's your entire character, is the struggle between being Black Sky and being Electra, where Electra is a character that was established over half of a season, and Black Sky is a vague concept that will never really be elaborated, 
ever. And it's just not an interesting conflict because you kind of already know what's going to happen, which is that, oh, she loves Daredevil. They're going to they're going to fight until they break. And then she's going to be like, oh, I am Electra, maybe. And then and that's exactly what happens, which is frustrating. So at this point, uh, Electra kills Sigourney Weaver. So Sigourney Weaver is dead. Alexandra. So now two members of the hand are dead. And of the remainder are that now we're down to just the uh, two characters of the hand that we already knew with a villain, one of the villains from Iron Fist and one of the villains from which one was it again? Oh, the villain from Daredevil. Well, also Iron Fist, actually. Yeah, they're, they're both villain. The, the the two villains you see from in Iron Fist are Matt, are Madame, uh, Madame Gao and cult leader that I forget the name of Starbucks cult leader. I keep forgetting what his name is because. He's also not too interesting because he's also like, come to the dark side is every conversation he has. That's one of the really, really like crushing things about the writing whenever villains show up is they just say the same things over and over again. Every scene between Alexander and Electra is the same scene over and over again. Every scene between between, uh, Wing and starbucks cult leader is the same conversation of like you could still join me come back to the hand we could rule together you and I, and stuff like that just i think conversation happens like five times as they fight with swords over and over again i'm like this how is this show affording to waste so much time in an eight episode season it only has eight episodes yet there's so much repeated ideas and so much nothing going on it's just like come on man like you can you can do better than this, right? Like, I've seen you do better. Because you did it for, like, like 30 hours of, of episodes before it started getting really iffy. It's like something must be going on in the background that is just, like, compromising their ability to make quality content at some point. Because, like, this is just going downhill in a way that it just wasn't before. And I'm kind of worried that we're going to get, we're going to have a chance to ruin characters. Like, are we going to get a Daredevil season three where like Kingpin gets out again and starts showing up again? Cause he's been established to still be around, but now he's just a shitty, boring villain. Cause I kind of don't want to watch the show ruin Kingpin cause they, they were doing cool stuff with him before. And I'm really worried that's going to happen now. There's a, a bunch of plotting that goes on, uh, Oh wait, right. There's a there's the obligatory scene that happens. Like I I I just watched Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters two and the Ghostbusters remake all back to back over the course of like four days or so. And what stood out to me is that Ghostbusters one and two both do the same scene, which is that they, after a bunch of not really being aware of what's going on, there's the obligatory scene where the bad thing that's happening in the background hits a crescendo and gets really bad. And then the Ghostbusters, right when they are figuring out what's happening, they get arrested. And then in jail or the psychiatric ward, they're formulating a plan about what they're going to do about the bad thing. And they find a way to get out of prison so they can go deal with the bad thing, basically. Which is usually caused by like the bad thing getting worse. And then, and then the government being like, we better get those Ghostbusters guys to do something because we don't have any idea what we're doing. Uh, and that's... That's kind of what happens here again. So I'm like, oh, this scene. Great. Uh, which is that uh, the guy, they, they had, they've captured Iron Fist and Iron Fist is the key to their plans, uh, the hand. So this is the, and uh, Electra had just defeated everybody in the Defenders. And it, just in case you're wondering, this is still them not like, I've talked about how like they, they kind of fail to establish the hand as a proper threat in the show. Like two of the characters just die without doing much of anything. 
and one of them is just going to be a goon, and they generally just don't do anything badass. Their army's apparently gone, slash occasionally shows up as a bunch of people just wearing black shirts, and not even vaguely intimidating. Uh, and then, so the only intimidating part of the hand is, is Electra, and Electra will never really fully conquer the defenders in any scene, so even she is not introduced as being that incredibly threatening. And this is the one scene where she does defeat everybody, kind of. Which is that it's the scene where uh, Danny is being... He has been captured by his own people because they're trying to restrain him from just charging straight into the hand like a jackass. And at this point, Stick has decided to just execute uh, Danny because that'll stop the hand's plan. So Stick has put out this gas that wipes out uh, Luke Cage, just knocks him unconscious, and that also reaches Danny. So... What happens is Electra comes in and fights Stick, but Stick's not in a great shape right now because when he was introduced to this season of the show, he was already captured by the hand, so he had to cut off his hand. So, <clears throat> cut off the hand, get it? Uh, so he's a one-handed samurai right now fighting against Electra. so Stick dies. Luke Cage and uh, Iron Fist are preemptively unconscious. Jessica Jones and Daredevil show up just in time to try to help and both get defeated, so... This is like the peak of Electra's power in the show as the most threatening villain of the entire show is that in one fight, she kind of happens to knock out both Daredevil and Jessica Jones. But once again, like everyone gets to live because Electra never kills anybody. She doesn't kill Luke Cage, which that might be hard, but she doesn't kill Jessica Jones. Uh, she doesn't kill Daredevil because of the whole love thing. But like, why didn't she kill Jessica Jones? Uh, she has to capture Iron Fist, but she keeps not killing important characters. Uh, it's like, that's the most threatening Electra is over the course of the entire show. And so I, you, it's kind of hard to buy the threat that is the, the, uh, the hand in general, because their most threatening character is a character who never, ever kills anybody except for a bunch of faceless goons that she trains against, basically. So we're at the police precinct with the, with the remaining characters. Everybody else who is not Iron Fist is now, they wake up at the police station because apparently they all got rounded up. They're all like, we found you with two bodies. What's going on here? Uh, but they kind of get hand waved away. Like, ah, it's fine. You're uh, like, there's some, there's th some threatening of uh, arresting them all, but also they're like really hands off. Like half of them are only considered to be witnesses instead of suspects and stuff. And this gives them the chance to do the Ghostbuster scene where everybody talks together about like, this is the situation. This is the bad thing that's going to happen. This is the plan. We're going to take them all out. And then they just burst through a wall and leave and they just take out. They they just take they just take off out of the police station and I'm like, you know what? They haven't really established the hand as being that threatening. And like, at this point, two of them are dead. You don't know that, but you killed one of them, and he was just some dude. Like the guy in the suit was just a dude, and you decapitated him, and he died, and for, that was it. Why not tell the police? Honestly, you're right here. This poor woman. Uh, that uh, God, what's her name? Misty Knight from uh, Luke Cage's show, she's like, let us help you. Like, what are you doing? Tell us what the problem is. We can take care of it. And I'm like, I'm like siding with her on some level. I'm like, yeah, just let them take care of it. They've got guns. They can go in with a SWAT team and they can just go wipe out this horde of people that are like trying to, that have been plaguing New York constantly. But because it's a superhero show, they have to be like, no, we have to defend you. Let's not let the police do their job, the people that are willing to do this and like they know the risks and all that. No, let's do it ourselves because we're way more capable, which gets really distressing because it quickly devolves into them being like, we're going to commit domestic terrorism. I'm like, what? Just, just tell the, just tell, 
Just tell the police. Just tell the police. You clearly don't know what you're doing if the first plan you can come up with is to commit domestic terrorism. In the middle of New York, by the way, people don't tend to respond well to you blowing up a building in New York. Like, unexpectedly. It's it's not a great time. Maybe don't do that plan with the domestic terrorism. No. Bad idea. But they're gonna do it. Great. Fuck. <laughs> Tell the police. Just tell the police. It's fine. They could just shoot them all. They're not bulletproof. They're not really. If you can kill them with decapitations, you can kill them with headshots. Like, what? If there are rules here that determine that these people can't just be murdered by a, a SWAT team, you've not established them. Like, the whole what, the whole thing that made uh, the Purple Man compelling was knowing what was at stake and what the rules were. And these guys, like... You just have, like, a bunch of stupid lines like Jessica Jones being like, these people just get more dangerous. I don't remember the start. First half is like, they don't get backed in the corner or, like, they don't just get weaker over time or whatever. Like, there's some setup and then, like, they just get more dangerous as opposed to, like, getting weaker over time. Like, she has this weird line and I'm like, Jessica Jones, you don't know the hand. You're the character that has the least impact with the hand and up until now. You never have encountered them until this scenario. How do you know they get more dangerous over time? What? Like, the, you can't just take them out with the police. We have to handle this. It's like, it's really, it's really hard to buy the motivations of what's going on here at some point when they're risking so much. Although, at the same time, you don't have a super strong grasp on what's at risk sometimes because you're just like, what's going to happen if they win? They just get to live forever? I'm not sure. Black Sky, Black Sky? Maybe if they say Black Sky 17 more times, I'll have better grasp on what's happening right now. Uh, so they've kidnapped, uh, they're, they're all going in. They've escaped, escaped the uh, police officers. Um, obligatorily, like, freaking, uh, well, it makes sense that Wing is there, but Claire Temple shows up, too, because Claire Temple just is everywhere. Uh, she's the, she's Night Nurse. She might as well have her own Netflix show at this point, because she's the one character that binds all of them together. By the way, I'll give them credit. They subverted my expectations with her, which is that I was, this, this show, they so closely follow the structure of, uh, the Avengers that I was like, oh, Night Nurse is dead she is so dead because i was so sure that night nurse was going to get murdered and exactly how colson was killed in avengers and fill that exact role of like being like the uniting thing that everyone uh is like fighting for and stuff like that because it's the one character from everyone's movies but no she's she gets out just fine uh but it's still slightly strange that she's even there with her total lack of combat abilities. And like even there, like before long, everyone's having to defend her and stuff like that. I'm like, why did she come here into this horrible situation that is too dangerous for the police? What is the logic here? What is going on? Why are you here? It's especially weird because every other character, and by now they've rounded up everyone's loved ones into the police station. Uh, so like basically just the supporting cast of every show is all rounded up in the police station. And some of this, and it's actually some of the best storytelling that happens in this show at times is is the, some of the melodrama that comes up between various heroes and their characters throughout the police station because it's like various people to try, trying to like pull them away from doing this and like, and the inner, the background struggles between each character and like, obviously like at this point, like Foggy and like, and the other woman, I'm, I have so many names to keep track of, uh, they... Like they they want they want uh, Daredevil to pull back and stop this and like they like he's he's going to destroy himself at this rate and and like they're not wrong, uh, and some of those scenes are some gen genuine drama but because this show is only eight episodes long and it's it stretched so thin across like a supporting cast of like 
there might be 10 of them even because yeah most of these people most of these characters have two supporting cast members uh they they only get have like a few seconds to go with like and like hogarth shows up for like a minute in this entire show like that's how thinly stretched all these uh characters are for each cast member but at this point they're all they're all rounded up there so that makes it extra weird that claire specifically is going to be the one person who goes on this mission whereas all these other people that are all still staying at the uh, the police station it's just a strange choice but claire actually manages to further diminish the power of the hand because at some point uh members of the hand come in and to where claire is located during this whole scenario and attack her and she actually defeats one of them and i'm like is the hand supposed to be dangerous or not? Because, like, she's a nurse. Like, she went... I know she went over to, like, Wing's place every now and then, and they'd, like, they'd practice a little bit of martial arts and stuff like that. But, like, these people are... She's, like, night nurse. She's busy. She's got shit to do. Like, so a few lessons here and there making her so badass that she can defeat these, like these the the hand like the hand just feels completely non-threatening they just feel like the faceless bodyguards that show up in every movie ever so like i'm like what's dangerous about this organization exactly electra at this point electra is the most dangerous part of the organization and even she is just another person that's she's just another member of the group that likes to fight people and there she goes like she's like she wants she's gonna punch people and she wants immortality i'm like this is Okay, so take her down. You can do it, obviously. You've basically done it before. Electra got defeated, more or less. Not not full out, not maybe not full on defeated, but she has been like incapacitated moment to moment in earlier fights of this thing. So even she's not that badass. Uh, we're coming up to when things get even dumber, which is that uh, <laughs> it's revealed that there's like a gate to. Uh, Kalong Kunlun Kunlun. There we go. Uh, a lot of names to keep track of. There's like a gate to Kunlun or some Kunlun equivalent down underneath the underneath this big building. It's the same pit from the Daredevil season two, and Danny knows that he's the key to opening it. They've explained this over and over again that the Iron Fist is the key to opening this gate. So what does he do? He immediately starts fighting Electra in front of the gate. And he uses the Iron Fist, and I'm like, how do you get this stupid? Like, she can't kill you because she needs the Iron Fist. You literally had just all, your one job in this scenario is to stall, basically. Like, you've got to stall while your friends hopefully arrive to help, because you clearly can't defeat uh, Electra on your own, because you generally kind of suck and uh all, your one job is just to not open the gate for them and he uses the iron fist and electro like literally just like traps his he has like what what are they called size no it's skipping my brain right now but the, the weapons that Raphael uses in tmnt basically the little forked dagger things she uses those to just like cage his iron fist and then just push it into the door to open it i'm like god damn it you were even, not only was Danny dumb enough to use the Iron Fist, knowing that it was how you open the thing, but he did it at the door, like standing right next to the door to try and open with the Iron Fist. I'm like, how? How is this a person? How is he this stupid? This isn't even like, wow, I'm a, 
fish out of water. I'm from a mystical land and I'm so surprised by normal city life. It's like, no, this is literally your wheelhouse is the mystical shit that opens with the iron fist, magical doors, magical fists, all this shit. It's the most normal shit ever to you. And you're still the most uselessly stupid person. Uh, this is this. So good guys show up. Everybody fights. It goes exactly how you think it is. There are three remaining members of the hand. As I said before, the Japanese guy, you blink and you miss him. All that setup for him being a badass, and he just like gets dispatched in a moment's notice, just like everybody else. There's no particularly cool fight scenes. The show tries to do the show tries really hard in this underground area to set up the Avengers shot kind of, but in reverse. Because the Avengers shot was when they all they all turn back to back against each other in the street, and like the, the the money shot happens basically where this camera's spinning around them. In this one, they try to do a shot where all four of them are fighting in four different quadrants of the room and the camera is spinning slowly to show them all fighting. It's like, wow, it's a continuous shot of them all fighting, but it's so unimpressive because three of them just punch people. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, they just punch people. They're just not interesting fighting characters. And Daredevil never has the chance to have something like the hallway scene from Daredevil Season 1, so he doesn't have really cool scenes either. He's just jumping a bit when he punches people, because he's like, he's the acrobatic-looking one. So, like, the drama of, like, wow, look at them all fighting is so boring, because it just looks like a bar fight. It looks like the Linkin Park music video for Bleed It Out, where it's just a big crowd of people punching each other. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, the the action is not the thing to come to the show for, which is the unfortunate thing, because this action is the primary focus. Like the the last the la- the four setups of the four characters are mostly plot driven and 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 dialogue and scenarios. But Defenders is really heavy on action scenes. But the action scenes are almost always these rapidly edited punching scenes in dark hallways that just like just aren't interesting. Unfortunately, they just it's just like we we have to have a fight. So let's set up a fight. Uh, everyone punches each other. There we go. Okay. But like I said, as you blink, you if you blink, you miss the Japanese guy dying. Or not dying, but getting, getting impaled. Madame Gao has a few scenes where she like uses force push a little bit to be like, oh look, I'm secret I have some a little bit of power because I'm just a woman with a cane, but I can do that. But before long she just retreats from the fight altogether. This leaves the only remaining uh member of the hand being the uh being Wing's mentor. So naturally you have the Luke and Vader scene of those two fighting it out while he he constantly is like, you could join me, this power could be yours, and stuff like that until he finally dies. And I'm like, that's over with, I guess. Uh, Man, this ending is so boring. And it's so borrowed. And so there's so many borrowed elements of like, the you have the Luke-Vader showdown, you have various characters being dispatched in really boring ways you have the idiot protagonist opening the door for the bad guys and then during the final showdown stuff you even have a scene where daredevil's like making a heroic sacrifice because he's gonna hold off Elektra while everyone else escapes and he tells iron fist take care of my city and then they all leave without iron fist and i mean without daredevil and daredevil is like left to fight one-on-one against uh against Electra in this underground doomed area while everything's set to explode and like that's when Electra finally breaks and it's like oh I love you and like I love you too and then they explode and they get buried down there and it's like 
God damn it. <laughs> there were no surprises in Electra's storyline either. Like, it was so note for note. Like, the moment you're introduced to this character existing, you know how every note of her story is going to work. And that's the unfortunate thing is, like, there's no... That's the I think that's the takeaway is that this show feels rushed so that there's no flourishes, there's no twists, there's no interesting developments, there's no little there's no little like nuggets of detail in the characters that surprise you. Instead, the moment the show's setup begins, you can pretty much say how the show's going to end accurately without even watching the rest of it because it's so tropey and so by the numbers that like it just feels like straight to it feels like straight to DVD action stuff. It feels like Steven Seagal movies and things like that. The only real upside is like the snappy dialogue that happens in a few handful of scenes where the characters are together for reasons other than just fighting constantly. But like, this is not, this was not the victory lap, lap it should have been, basically. Because uh, like the previous movies, like Iron Man caught people by surprise in the in Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then the all the follow-up ones were all generally seen as being fine. But Avengers was like an explosion. It was an event. Like, wow, look at this amazing thing. These these characters that people have liked are all being mixed together into this cool scenario. And that movie's great. And we're having a great time. Box office blow away like crazy, crazy celebration, victory movie, whatever. I'm a little burned out because I've been doing this for a while now, I think. How long are we in? Jesus, I've been... How have I been talking for over an hour? I didn't think I'd be able to talk for more than 20 minutes. That's always the case, though. Uh, but instead of that victory, it just kind of feels like... Eh. Side story. Go, The bad guy shows up, everybody punch the bad guy, it's over. Like, it it, uh, it really does feel like... Uh, like, I've, I've been watching... I've been watching uh, The Flash a lot lately. Uh, just watching through the show. I'm all caught up, I think. I think. And every season of The Flash, there's a crossover episode where the CW takes the increasing number of, of uh, side stories and characters and shows they're establishing. Because now they have Supergirl, and they have Arrow, and they have uh, Guardians of the Universe and a bunch of other side characters. So once per season, The Flash will be like, here's all these characters in one location, together, at the same time. Super showdown. And uh, that'll happen. And it's like it's always bad. Like as somebody who likes the show, the flash, it's always disappointing to be at the crossover episodes. Cause it's like, Oh, a poorly defined villain's going to show up and have a vague threatening goal. And way too many protagonists are going to be thrown into the scenario. And none of them are going to have time to breathe. And it's all going to be very by the numbers. And I'm not going to be surprised by anything. And I just have to wait for it to be over so I can get back to the thing I liked. And that's probably the best case scenario here too, is I can just, be like, well, Defenders is over. I can now just go back to watching the shows when they come back, when they make a sit, because they're they're working on uh, Jessica Jones season two. Looking forward to that. Working on Punisher. Looking forward to that. I really like I really like the Punisher. I really like Jessica Jones. If they are of quality comparable to their first appearances, then they'll be a great time again. And if the and I just hope that that that's my hope for the Netflix universe here is that they can fix it uh, or they are they can return to form because this could be the same bad idea that uh the dc was it masters of the universe no whatever the time travel storyline is where they take, take take way too many characters and mix together with uh, and go on missions and stuff uh 
I'm hoping that this was just like the misstep, like, oh, that crossover didn't work out. And then they just returned to the individual shows being pretty great on their own. Uh, but I'm I'm a little worried that the seemingly rushed schedule that seems to have marred this show and Iron Fist might still keep happening. And if that does keep happening, it might hurt Jessica Jones and Punisher, and they may not get the decent shows that they probably should get. So we'll see. Overall, Defenders isn't aggressively bad. Like it's not insultingly bad. It's not in a it's not an aggressively low quality show. It's just so flat and uninteresting. It's the type of thing you just switch off your brain and just you just watch shit happen for a while and you're like, eh, that used up a week of that used up that used up my week of television viewing time. Time to go watch the next thing. But if you were hoping for something better, if you're hoping something more like Daredevil Season 1 and Jessica Jones Season 1 and less like Iron Fist, then you're going to be disappointed. Or presumably were already, because this is a spoiler cast, so you presumably watched it already and just decided you wanted to watch somebody else talk about it for a while. So that's that's my takeaway. Um, this was like a trial a idea test run of me doing a solo spoiler cast because like i said nobody else that does these with me uh even watched any of these netflix shows so it's pretty much just me that has opinions on this stuff and i didn't, I didn't want to take up more podcast time discussing this stuff i am working on the uh mass effect andromeda spoiler cast i forgot for a while there i promised at the end of mass effect andromeda that i'd do a discussion of it because i there's just too much to discuss and uh We'll hopefully get to that soon. Hopefully. Um, not sure when. What happened is once I finished Mass Effect Andromeda, my brain just sort of reject rejected the game entirely in that I just stopped thinking about it. And it was nice. I just forgot the game existed for a while. But then I got a comment that was like, oh, you're not doing the Mass Effect Andromeda spoiler cast after all, aren't you? Aren't you? That's disappointing. I really wanted to see it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And it like all started coming back to me. I'm like no these memories are all coming back so i'm working on that uh, it's less like this where i can just talk uh honestly this i probably could have prepared notes for this too because it started to become more difficult than i expected to just organize my thoughts but i'm working on that for mass effect andromeda i'm working on a series of bullet points for the things i want to discuss because there's just too much to sort in my head at once uh to discuss all the thoughts on that stuff uh, there also might be a spoiler cast coming up for uh, Death Note, because uh, Netflix made a an American Death Note live action movie, and um, Andrew and I are probably going to have opinions on that one because we both uh, watched Death Note previously, the original version of it, and uh, boy, not looking encouraging those trailers. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, if you liked the Defenders, I don't begrudge you anything. You, everyone can like what they want and so on. I don't like even having to say that, but apparently you have to sometimes because people are all like, you're stating your opinions like they're fact. It's like, no, do you not understand the concept of like a review or a discussion? It's like, no, it's just, this is my take on Defenders is that I see it as a giant misstep, just like Iron Fist, Iron Fist was. And I hope they do better because I have been hyped about these shows I've been hyped every time a new ne a new Netflix Avengers uh, new Netflix uh, Marvel show comes out. I'm hyped about watching it until Iron Fist and Defenders happen, and I'm like, oh fuck, that's not great.
and the best I can hope for is that because a bunch of different people work on each part of this sh- of this universe that the people who made the good stuff in the past can hopefully still make good stuff in the future and the people that guided these not so great things can just be forgotten we'll just move on past that stuff hopefully but that was my take on the defenders thanks for watching and i'll uh i'll see you next time